This is episode one of the Health Translations podcast. Health Translations is Australia's largest directory for translated health and wellbeing resources. There are over 18,000 resources available in more than 105 languages. This series explores the way culture, language and health interact. In each episode, we talk to healthcare professionals and community members about the role translated health information plays in their lives. My name is Nicola and I work for the Centre for Culture, Ethnicity and Health, a not-for-profit organisation that manages health translations on behalf of the Department of Health and Human Services. We're about to speak with Jade Cesarek, the Health Project and Partnership Officer at Asthma Australia. Jade actually had two stories from the 1800 Asthma Helpline. Yeah, so we've had, um, we have a 1800 Helpline. Um, so it's a service where people can call through for any asthma questions. And we do have people call that and they're not born in Australia. They may have recently moved here. And the main stories we've come across is the confusion with asthma and what's actually happening. Um, and what, so what is asthma? Can we, um, yeah, yeah sure. So asthma is a long-term lung condition and it affects the way a person can breathe. So we see airway narrowing, so the smooth muscle around our tiny airways within the lungs tightens and narrows down and the person can't breathe as well. We also get mucus production. So you might start seeing those classic symptoms like coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath. Um, and the tight feeling in the chest. So it's often a sensation and feeling that a lot of people haven't experienced before. Mm. Uh, particularly Australia, we are a little bit of an allergy asthma country. Okay. Um, so if we're, you know, if we're born in Australia and something or we've been here for a long time, um, it's something we've usually come across or we've at least heard the word. But as we get our new families arriving, people coming from overseas, it's not something they've necessarily seen. And which communities are you seeing this is most prevalent in? Most at the moment, it's our southeast or subcontinent, southeastern of the world, so India, Asia, those sorts of com- um, countries, and that very much aligns with the data that you can see from thunderstorm asthma. So I think that's why we're starting to get that little bit of an increase too because they were heavily affected as a population during that event in 2016. And is that because prior to arriving in Australia, they might not have encountered asthma before or what, like, what are the misunderstandings around it? So the misunderstandings, yes, one, they have never heard of it before, haven't experienced it, and it's not a condition that's well known within their country either. Um, so prevalence is quite low. And then we find it's more of an environmental factor when they do move to Australia. Okay. So exposure to the possible allergens in the air, the different environment, um, so that exposure can lead, not saying it's not everyone, um, but it can lead to the development of, you know, hay fever, asthma, and we start to see those links come through. Um, and the data can show the longer a person lives in Australia, their risk increases of developing those sorts of conditions. Oh, that's really so through exposure and things like that. So um, it, it is an interesting statistic and sort of feeds into when we do see people with asthma that's very similar triggers so what makes their symptoms come on or what makes asthma worse. Mm. Okay, so then if you're not aware of what asthma is but you're experiencing these symptoms, how are people presenting? Are they arriving in hospital and how are you explaining asthma to them? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So they will often present um, to a hospital, particularly if it's quite a bad flare-up. So flare-up is a term we use now in place of asthma attacks, so something we're used to saying quite a lot. Um, just means their symptoms may have come on quite quickly or it's progressed over a number of weeks, which is 
asthma can go either way. So they are presenting to emergency with this for the first time. Sometimes we are the actual, by we, Asthma Australia, are the first point of call going, you know, I've heard my friend has this as well, so I think I might have it. Um, Or they've just recently got a diagnosis from the doctor. So they've presented with those coughing and wheezing symptoms and they receive that diagnosis and come to us for an explanation. Mm, okay. And so for people who weren't um, familiar with asthma before, what were their perceptions of what that they did have? How would they have explained it? Because I know you had a pretty interesting story around yes, this. Yes, that story always comes to mind. Um, it was a father who had called our 1800 helpline um, and his son was recently diagnosed with asthma, but he thought he had done something wrong. So he had cursed his child in some way. Oh. And that's why his his son was unwell, which is, you know, it's a hard story to hear because you're trying to reassure this parent that they have done absolutely nothing wrong. Mm. It's just we don't even know the exact reason why people develop asthma. Mm. So it's not anything that you've done. And it's just that cultural understanding that can come through a little bit as well. So explaining to them, look, it is a common condition in Australia, that statistic I said earlier about the longer we're staying here, exposure to those um, environmental factors mm. and just letting them know that while it can be, a, it is a long-term condition, it's something that's manageable. You know, yeah. you can get on top of it. It's not going to impact your son's life. If it's well-managed, of course, flare-ups can happen. Um, but if that's well-controlled, they stay in touch with their doctor and us if they need that extra support. It's going to be something your son will still thrive and have an amazing life. Yeah. Um, so it was all about that reassurance and, no, you did not do anything wrong. And So, yeah, that story always comes to mind, particularly when we're it's a new diagnosis and there's not a lot of understanding. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other times when language or culture has affected asthma patients or their ability to receive treatment or anything like that? Yes, the thunderstorm asthma event. Um, was so huge in Melbourne, so many people affected and now we are seeing it's those particular cultural backgrounds as well that were highly impacted um, in comparison to the rest of the population. And another call to our 1800, we got a lot after that event just to try and find, (laughs) yeah, it is a very important number, but just to try and find out more. And this gentleman was experiencing the symptoms just as quickly as everyone else. Something we can manage. Lines out the door at emergency. So he went home with his wife and rang his family overseas and Mm. said, look, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know if I'm going to live through the night. Mm. I wanted to call and say goodbye. Like, I've got goosebumps so I tell the story again. Mm. Um, which, again, was another one, a very hard one to hear. So instead of waiting and not knowing what's actually going on, he's gone home and started praying that he wasn't going to die and he's letting his family know that, you know, he might not be here in the morning. So that's mm. really hard where, you know, it's not saying he should have just waited because it was so busy, but there was treatment at the end of that line for him. Mm. Um, but but know, he was unaware of the treatment options available. Unaware of the treatment yeah. options, unaware of what actually was happening in his body. So mm. he called us probably a day or two after the event once it started getting that media coverage and that very heavy, you know, this is the weather, mm. this is what people were feeling, this is the symptoms we saw, this is why the hospital was so busy. So it started to connect in his mind as well. So that media coverage is really important. So then. important. Okay, yeah. Yeah, particularly if it's a phenomenon like we saw that year where it was just impacted so many people. 
because mm. it was a lot of maybe some people sitting at home going, well, I just can't breathe because they weren't at that emergency extent that a lot of people did reach on that night. So awareness is key. So media can help with that too. Um, and I think with that awareness, people can start to see that asthma is a condition that you can manage. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing, you know, obviously emergency situations are scary across all conditions, but it is something you can manage day to day and mm. still live, like I said, a full full life. You yeah. know, our main message is, you know, asthma shouldn't impact your daily life. Yeah. Great. So if it's well controlled and well treated, you can do everything else you want to do. So after that patient did come in after hearing some of the media coverage around the thunderstorm mm-hmm. asthma, what did his doctor say to him to ensure that he would retain the information sure. about asthma in the long term? Yeah, so doctors have a really good opportunity to explain the condition to patients as well. We're there to provide that support too, but coming from a doctor, you know, it's a trusted voice as well as you peak bodies and things like that. But he gave, gives them an opportunity to say this is your medication for when this is happening because, say, your Ventolin inhaler is to reduce the muscle tightening so those symptoms of the cough and the wheeze mm. can be relieved by that medication. So even the two devices you have, um, you know, if you're on a preventer medication as well, which is the second group, they're acting on the particular changes in the body. So that allows you to hold on to the, okay, so my lungs the airways are tightening, I need this blue medication because I'm coughing and then symptoms can improve. Okay. Um, yeah. I think they have an important role too in explaining when it is an emergency. Okay. So yeah. when people aren't just sitting at home trying their medication or trying, trying, when they can actually call triple zero and get further assistance to them. Best case scenario is they don't need to go to hospital, but mm, we've got yeah. someone coming to make sure they're okay. So that's an important message to get across. And the reassurance, I think, is a big thing too. So those stories of, you know, you haven't cursed your child. Yeah. You did nothing wrong and, uh, you know, you don't need to call your family and tell them that horrible news when they're on the other side of the world because we can help you here. Yeah. It is something you can get on top of. So with some of those symptoms that you mentioned, yeah. when you hear those symptoms um, from a doctor, mm-hmm. it'll make sense at the time, but then it's easy to forget um, different parts of the information. Mm-hmm. So are, are they given, are patients given handouts or brochures or is there a role that health, health translations plays in, in that process? Yes, definitely. Health translations is is huge. We use them a lot to get that messaging across okay. because a, a good example too is when we look at um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, they don't necessarily call it lungs. Okay. They have a different word for lungs. They right. have a different word for breathing. So it can be the same across other cultures where we say this is for your lungs, but that doesn't actually translate mm. to something they may understand because okay. they use a different word. Mm. So when we have the health translations resources, we can say this is in your language or we'll print it for them. Mm. The GP can do the same thing. And the GP can also refer them to us at Asthma Australia for further yeah. support. So. Right. Doctors are, they're, you know, they're busy and limited and want to do as all they can for their patients and we can jump in in the middle yeah, and refer okay. them on to services like Health Translations as well. Oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Oh, love your website. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by CEH, the Centre for Culture, Ethnicity and Health. CEH works to improve the health of people from migrant, refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds. CEH offers professional development to individuals and organizations in the areas of culture competence, health literacy, working with interpreters and more.
Through this training, workplaces have been able to improve their inclusivity, efficiency and their responses to people from migrant and refugee backgrounds. To find out more, go to www.ceh.org.au. And did you have any other information for health professionals and the general public about asthma and maybe the role that culture and language plays in that? Sure. So for the public, I think it's it's easy to say, you know, just connect with your health service, but that's yeah. not always as easy said than done. Um, I think it's just if you are experiencing any symptoms you don't normally have, particularly with breathing mm. or, you know, in light of thunderstorm asthma, if that's something you're concerned about, mm. that you're seeking help whether it's through family, friends, someone that can connect you, mm. they can call our 1-800 helpline, which is where all of our stories have come from. So we're always there between business hours to support. Yeah. Um, and then we always provide information for out-of-business hour contact numbers yeah. as well. Um, and where we can, we'll get translators to make sure the message is clear. Otherwise, we're getting the information from health translations and passing that along. But just making sure if they do get that diagnosis of asthma that they're okay. You know, there's the cultural understanding, which is something we can assist with. Just that reassurance, again, is very important. And getting reviews from your doctor is huge. So not okay. just, mm-hmm. oh, I've got asthma and that's it. Mm-hmm. We're touching base. It's at least once a year when you're not having a flare-up or symptoms are present, just to check in mm-hmm. and say, sure. I'm fine. Yeah. Let's just review medication because it's something you can drop up and down. And I think it's very important to have an asthma action plan. Okay. That can be provided by your doctor. What um, What is an asthma action plan? It's your instru- personal instruction manual for managing your asthma. Okay. That's how I describe it. It provides you information to do how is your medication when you're well. Mm-hmm. What is it when you're feeling a little bit under the weather? You might have a cold that's triggering asthma symptoms. Or what are we doing in an emergency? Okay. So it's an important document that you make friends and family aware of. Okay. Because in an emergency, you might necessarily be able to communicate. Yeah. Which right. is something in the extreme end of asthma then they've got this instruction manual going okay this is what we're seeing we've tried the medication let's call triple zero so very important process um, more commonly given to children but it's important for adults to have one as well and on the health professional side being aware of your services and your resources is very important so they can get that message across to anyone that's not strong in English yeah. don't read the English word and then know that Asthma Australia is there to sort of jump in between appointments to provide that extra information for their patients yeah. Yeah. so it's a free service which is great you know we don't want to put any extra pressure on people in terms of finances and things like that so they've got their 1-800 they can be referred to us where we provide them monthly support mm, okay. and phone-based support so they don't actually need to travel to us which takes you know down another barrier for people as well and yet yeah, just being overall aware of what's available to yeah. support the individual as well as health professionals Great. And I was just wondering, recently I've heard a little bit about hay fever and how there's been a little bit of confusion maybe Mm -hmm. between people who think they're experiencing hay fever but are actually um, experiencing asthma. Have you been hearing much about that lately? Yes. So our little catchphrase is if you sneeze and wheeze, because the two shouldn't be happening together, um, that we're going to our doctor for a review to determine is it hay fever or is it asthma. That's good. Yeah. So if any of the hay fever symptoms, say traditional ones, we need to think often occur in the upper respiratory, so the nose Mm. and the eyes. That's where we'll most likely see it. But as it starts to move down towards the lungs and we're coughing and wheezing, 
wheezing, mm. shortness of breath, any of those symptoms start to come up, it is important that we're seeing a GP because it can be a sign of undiagnosed asthma, right. particularly in light of hay fever season and thunderstorm asthma. Because mm. it'd be easy to confuse if you don't know those main differences. Yes, yeah. So we do have a respiratory system, which is everything, but hay fever and asthma happen in the two different parts. Yeah, good. Yeah. So how can people find out more about asthma and how to manage it? You can visit our website, which is a nice and easy way to start. Um, we've got videos, uh, what what is asthma heading, and then a nice little video of what's actually happening in the body. We have links to the translated resources on our website too, so it'll bring you across to the health translations and to other, some other resources we've had that have just been recently uploaded too, so they're nice and fresh. Okay, and what um, are some of these resources that you're talking about? The resources I'm actually very excited about because they were developed in consultation with community. Right. Mm. So it, it is from that community perspective because it's all well and good for us to have it translated, yeah. but does it translate properly? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Can you Make, speak on that actually a little bit yeah. about the difference between just, I guess, translating information directly across and then consulting with the community and what input they might have? Yeah. So you can have, you know, what is asthma? It's a chronic lung condition Mm -hmm. and explain all of that but if it's not translated correctly it may not read in that same way Mm -hmm. to the person that's reading it in a different language so uh, it might be words they don't recognize like we were saying earlier different words for lungs and things like that Mm -hmm. and then in community consultation too it's their resource it becomes their own and their way to explain a condition Mm -hmm. not us as an organization saying this is what asthma is. We provide the information, but it's then translated into a way that the community can understand. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know, for one person. You know, it can be a community message that everyone would understand. So, you know, one person that might be stronger in English can obtain the resource, but then still have that ability to translate to their community. And a very important too, I think, in imagery as well. So okay. how do they like things to be drawn, photos to include, mm-hmm. because it needs to be an inclusive resource. So right. I think that's very important. And where you can't directly consult with community, I think it's important to have looks at resources that have used community input to get a better idea. Mm-hmm. Um, on how to develop them. On how to yeah. develop them. And so they're most useful and get the message you want to get across to that group effectively yeah great. because we are wanting to affect behavior change and improve health outcomes for that yeah, group so that's absolutely. all those factors come down to one little pamphlet but you're going to reach people and you're going to improve their health through that information well thank you so much for coming in and talking to me today that's it from us today i'm nicola from ceh and we've just been talking to jade cesarek from asthma australia Jade's stories really highlighted the cultural factors that can prevent individuals from receiving proper health care and the importance of free, quality translated health resources like the ones on health translations in ensuring the health of our community. If you'd like to learn more about health translations or contribute a resource, go to www.healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. The music for this podcast was created by Zeb Rogerson. This episode was produced by Nicola Nemerick and Annie Tillak-Benton. The podcast was made possible by the Centre for Culture, Ethnicity and Health. For show notes and to learn more, head to www.ceh.org.au forward slash podcast.